We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Hi, I'm Gary Roby. I am Victoria Laguna. And we're the hosts of Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. Join us as we argue about whether or not McGonagall would meow at Dumbledore. She wouldn't. As we ponder just how much Harry's fortune is worth. Just $40. As we guess how much mileage one gets out of an Ollivander wand. 100,000 jinxes. As we detail the ins and outs of Hogwarts Castle. He's only a model. Join us Monday through Friday, only from DuelingGenre.com. Mischief Managed. Dueling Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one giant squid, giant squid filled minute. That's a lot of eh noises at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we'll be talking about Minute 124, which starts with uh, the hobbits trying to help Frodo away from this tentacle that's dragging him towards the water and ends with the doors of Durin collapsing. Right at the beginning of this this minute, we get one of those things that I just like about Sam, which is that he always refers to Aragorn as, as Strider. Strider. Yeah, it's like even in moments of distress, he's uh, Strider. Well, I mean, it's the first name he knew him by, right? And he's used to I, at at this point, he's used to yelling Strider in need for help. Yeah, because how many yeah. times has Aragorn saved them? Yeah, by this point. I don't know. I I just like that he always calls him Strider. Yeah. I never realized that the squid is like a minute. Yeah, it's like almost perfectly contained. Yeah. Uh, the watcher in the water. The but watcher. It's, it's a giant squid. Like... It, it's, a, it's, 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 it's much like the Kraken. It doesn't have a giant squid face. Like, you know what I mean? No, like, it has more of like an octopusy face. It ha- it, it has a face like the Predator. Yeah. In, like, Alien vs. Predator or whatever, like those Predator movies. And there is so much detail in that monster that you just never get a chance to really appreciate because it goes by so fast. Yeah. Because it's got, like, pulsating, like, gills and all this other stuff going on. You can kind of... It's easy to miss, but it also has, like, three-fingered hands on the end of each tentacle. It's not just like a tentacle. It's got little grippy hands. Yeah, because it doesn't have the suction cup things. Right, and then it has like the the weird lamprey mouth. Yeah, gross alien mouth. Yeah. Xenomorph mouth. It's not quite a xenomorph mouth. No, I know. It's like a lamprey. There's a mouth in a just, mouth. Just a spiral of teeth <laughs> as far as the eye can see. And I always also... Um, it's amazing how hokey this looks now and how not hokey yeah. it looked at the time. Okay, so that scene where the Watcher is coming up out of the water and its tentacles are coming in through the door looks really cool still. All of the rest looks... You can tell it's green screen, like, very obviously. Yeah. Um, This is one of those things where I don't think it's aged necessarily super well. No. Um, Not as well as other effects in the movie. Yeah. I 
I don't know. I'm still pretty impressed with the the way that the creature moves when it gets up out of water. Yeah, it actually the that's kind of what Weta has done. Weta did the best throughout all of these movies is making any digital creature, any digital effect look like it still has weight, mm-hmm. which is really uh, which is honestly the most impressive thing they did. Yeah. Because it's really easy to just make something digital and slap it on the screen and be like, and just completely not believe it's there or whatever. Right. Because if you're not paying attention to like the physics of how this thing would move, then yeah. it's just going to look really fake. Yeah. Um, they do a pretty good job of like making it look like the actors are actually interacting with something. But like anytime it's the full background of a scene... Like, like where, when they're running away and you can yeah, see the, yeah, yeah. the watcher's head. Or like, like when they're chopping off the tentacles, like Aragorn and Boromir chopping off the tentacles. You can totally tell that it's like, yeah. that's a fake that's a fake thing. Um, so yeah. I will give them credit for that scene where it's trying to get into the mines. Because as it pulls itself out of the water and the way the doors collapse, it looks like overall pretty natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good effect. But yeah, Vigo and, and Sean talk about... How uh, mostly Sean talks about how silly he felt on the set mm-hmm. when they're filming this stuff because it's just him and Vigo standing there swinging, swinging at swords at nothing, yeah. standing in like ankle deep pools of water. <laughs> that must be so surreal. Like you wake up at five in the morning to go shoot like a on, scene. on the wet set, which is like which is like a six inch deep pool mm-hmm. with a set built around it outside. Like that's where the wet set is outside, and then the close-ups were all that were mostly done on like studio. Right. But this action sequence is on the wet set, which is an empty lot with a six-inch swimming pool on it, just six inches deep and like thirty feet across. So okay, imagine you wake up at four o'clock in the morning. You go do makeup. You get your costume on. You go to this thing. Get in a wading pool, full <laughs> costume. You have and to start... tramps around in the water in leather boots. That has to be the yeah, most uncomfortable. Yeah, and just start thing. swinging a sword next to your bro, yeah. like. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't think the watcher looks looks any more fake in this scene than when Boromir shouts Legolas when he's it's it just its head is in the background. Yeah, he's just like Legolas, and the watcher looks super fake, especially when it gets hit by the arrow. Mm. They're nice sound effects whenever Legolas lets go an arrow in this movie, oh, though. Yeah, the 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 very uh the very it's very satisfying, satisfying like, thwip twang. twang yeah. yeah, the thwip noise. I I. I don't know. Archery is so cool. It is. Orlando Bloom did two months of archery practice and doesn't really get to show off a lot. Well, he will. It's mostly just fire one arrow. He will. Yeah. He does some amazing knife work in these movies. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Uh, fake Also, this is a scene that they apparently had to fight with the studio to keep. The Watcher? Yeah, the studio just wanted to, like, move the movie along mm-hmm. and not have this here. But uh, they fought to keep it under the guise that without the Watcher in the water outside the doors of Durin, there's nothing that forces them to go through Moria. Right. Like, otherwise it's you also... have to change the whole beginning of Moria. Right. Which makes it so that you have to be like, well, there are just no dwarves here. Maybe they're deeper in the mine. And then they keep looking and mm-hmm. that feels sillier. Yeah. It's also, like, the one spot of action in otherwise a lot of exposition so far. Like, you have the mountain, um, but that's not quite as action-y. It's, 
I mean, it is. This is a little tease of a fight scene. Right. And we haven't had like, they haven't drawn their swords in a while. Yeah. So I think it also helps. It also helps reestablish that there are things in the world after Frodo because it specifically grabs him. I've always wondered about that. Like, how does it know to grab Frodo? It's just an evil thing and it feels the presence of the ring. It's just like, oh, that's cool. Bye. I'm evil. That's evil. We should be evil buddies. <laughs> Gimme. When he put the ring on one of his one weird of his little triple fingered finger. tiny hand things. <laughs> and then it's an invisible giant squid. <laughs> oh my god. And then Sauron comes to find it and he's just like, this was more troublesome than I imagined. <laughs> what the heck is this? Um <laughs> He gets okay. the ring and puts it on. Just an invisible giant squid here. And just waits. Can we talk about Oh my god, it's like the crab from Moana. Um, <laughs> so shiny. Um, can we talk about the ecosystem? How of, does it survive here? Of this pond. It makes no sense. What does it live on? Yeah. Pond does, scum alone? What does it eat? Does it photosynthesize? It lives on pond scum alone. It's pond the only scum. explanation. Ponies. There's definitely... Oh, <laughs> no, Bill got away. No, I know. <laughs> it didn't eat Bill. I hope not. But... Yeah, what does what does it live off of? Right, that's my biggest question. It's a pond up in the mountains. Like, not even in the mountains. It wasn't like, even always a pond. Was it a river? Yeah. Okay. So where the heck did this thing come from? So, okay, maybe it was a small squiddy. Little itty-bitty squiddy? Yeah. <laughs> itty-bitty squiddy. And it, like, got swept away. To, from wherever, and now the river has stopped flowing, and now it's like the Loch Ness Monster. That's a giant squid. And it just lives. I I'm... I have so many questions about this this monster. I've, I've never... It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It's one of those things that's just like it's fantasy story, hand wave. But, okay. Like... An ecosystem needs to be able to support something that big. Like It lives mega, on pond scum alone. Megafauna don't really exist anymore because A, there's not enough oxygen in our atmosphere, and B, there's not enough resources for them to exist anymore. So where did this guy come from? I don't know. I just don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I have so you. many questions about our friend the squid. About our itty-bitty squiddy. Itty-bitty squiddy. Is he a part of an itty-bitty squiddy committee? <laughs> Is that like the name that oh like Peter Jackson gave God. to the people designing it? Were the they the itty bitty squiddy committee? <laughs> the squiddy committee. They're the squiddy committee. <laughs> it's the group at what that designed the squid. I just, I'm getting hung up on a lot of things this week, and I do enjoy this movie, but like, it's like trying to climb a mountain in the middle of January again. <laughs> I. You know? Or like how poorly prepared they are backpacking. Yeah. <sighs> also, there is a there's a little thing that happens at the very end of the minute before this that I didn't mention and I wanted to mention now, which is right before they pass through the doors after they open, there's a couple of them are kind of like staring at the water kind of awkwardly. Mm -hmm. But Aragorn, as he approaches the doors of Durin, looks back a couple times. I thought that was Boromir. I think it's it's he's got a bow. Oh, I thought it was Boromir. I th I could have sworn it was Boromir. Because Boromir has the lighter hair. 
Yeah. And the hair is like reflecting in the moonlight. I'm fairly certain it's Aragorn because I believe he's got a bow on his on his back. We can look. We can look. I also through the magic of film. I like how they've been setting up um, Boromir kind of um, butting heads with Frodo, not butting heads with Frodo, but like being intimidating towards Frodo and Frodo not like welcoming any interaction mm-hmm. with Boromir, but Boromir is the one who catches Frodo. When... And carries him to safety. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of like this scene for that fact, too, that, like, Boromir... Boromir's a good dude. Yeah, Boromir's a good man. He's just, you know, corruptible. Right. Because, like, right before the doors open, like, Frodo and Gandalf are staring at the doors. Right. I don't know. But I've always liked that Boromir's the one to catch um, Frodo because it kind of establishes that, yes, Boromir is corruptible, but he's also like a decent person. Yeah. And I guess you could argue, you could argue that Boromir does so purely because he wants to save the ring and not Frodo, but... But that removes like Boromir's agency. Yeah. Oh, I guess it is Aragorn. I think they both look back. Well, like, Aragorn's the one you see on the right side of the screen yeah. from inside that's, like, looking back at the water. Yeah. Like, I did I did not like that ripple. I didn't cause that Who caused that ripple? Well, I think also because Aragorn is the one who warns Pippin not to do anything, and now yeah. he's just like, oh, I didn't want to be right, now I'm right. <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> Damn it. Oh, rocks skipping. Oh, rocks. <laughs> All these rocks skipping hobbits. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really, I do really like that it's Boromir that catches Frodo, though. I think it's a, it's a nice reminder that Boromir's not a terrible dude. Yeah. One of the, one of those little things in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because Boromir's redemption can only feel earned if there are things that make you think it's possible along the way. Right. You know? Otherwise, a redemption doesn't really work. Right. So they need those little moments of, like, Boromir being heroic or honorable. Right. So it's definitely not, like... It's definitely not, like, a random choice to be like, oh, Boromir will catch Frodo. Mm -hmm. It's it's a really conscious decision to keep this a part of the narrative. Yeah. Because Boromir's not the bad guy. Right. So he's got to do good things. Right. I also uh, I also just realized something when we were, we were checking back on who was looking around at the lake. Mm-hmm. The doors open out. So what did Gandalf hope to accomplish by pushing in? <laughs> he doesn't know they open out. He's, he has, well, no, he's passed through these doors. He just hasn't come through this way. But okay, if so the doors exited them. if the doors are open and it's been like a thousand years. Right. Like, you don't pay attention to the mechanism of a door that's already open. It's, yeah, it's okay. You know, he has he just has a worse memory than Elrond. It's fine. You just walk through it. Yeah. You know? It's fine. He has a worse memory than Elrond, and that's okay. Because Elrond like remembers everything in painful detail. Well, yeah. Men are weak. <laughs> Especially this one. Oh my goodness. 
No, that is really funny. I've never noticed that. The doors open out, and yet Gandalf was just, like, pushing on him. Well, what else are you supposed to do? There's no handle. You can't just, like, grab the handle and pull on it. Just try to stick a staff under there and pry it open? Like, he's frustrated, so he's just gonna, like, push up against the doors. Yeah. That's so funny. It is. It's really funny. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> hilarious. No, I, I, I just, uh... There's all kinds of little things in this this minute that I think are great. And like this whole moment around the Watcher in the water. Mm-hmm. All the little character things on the way into Moria. The way different characters interact or react to different things. I, I, I love that Aragorn is the one that's just like, he's the last one into Moria. And he's just like, he doesn't say anything, but he looks like he's about to. Yeah. He's just, just like, like, guys. Guys. Hey, you guys. And then Boromir is, like, looking at Aragorn when he says, we'll make for the Gap of Rohan. Yeah. And Aragorn's looking back at him like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> and and the hobbits are backing out all scared. Oh, man. I love that Sam also immediately, like, draws his sword and tries to hack at the tentacle, grabbing Frodo. Well, yeah. What else are you supposed to do? Your friend just got nabbed by a giant tentacle monster. Yeah. Like, Merry and Pippin are, like, holding Frodo back from being pulled in, and Sam pulls out the sword and tries to hack at it, and then it withdraws, and then, like, ten tentacles just smack all the hobbits down and grab Frodo. No, I thought the... Because it's only the one tentacle, and then Aragorn cuts it in half, and then the, like, legions of tentacles happen. Yeah, they get to, like, several tentacles smack the hobbits away. They, like, erupt out of the water altogether. Yeah, because after, they're fighting a bunch of tentacles. After Aragorn cuts off the one. Because, no. like, there's only the one that grabs Frodo. It's like, oh, yes, easy meal. You get a like, free trinket. Slinky. Yeah, I get, I get a free ring with my meal, with my kid's meal. And then, like... <laughs> it's like so... Right. Sam... Oh, Sam's the one... Yeah, Sam hacks off this has, one tentacle. Okay, and then... And then all of a the bunch of tentacles. Happen. Okay, so I thought that Aragorn is the one who does that. And then... Aragorn doesn't even get there in time. No. Aragorn doesn't come until after Frodo is, like, dangling very dangerously in yeah. the air. So, like, the squid's like, oh, yes, free food. I'm gonna get a cool toy, and then... It's like a box of Cracker Jacks. And then one of his fingers gets hacked off, and then he's like, oh, son of a... And then you just, like, bah... <laughs> and it's just like eight tentacles come out of the yeah. water and just smack down all these hobbits. I really like that, um, that, I don't know if it's a trope, but like, like, you supposedly defeat the threat and then like the threat comes back like tenfold. Right. Um, you're like, oh, thank God. And then it's just like, ha ha, joke's on you. <laughs> I have 50 million tentacles. <laughs> right. It's like, um, uh. What is it? Uh, reports of my untimely demise have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah. That whole... That's, well, not, that's how that goes, right? Not... What do you mean? That's like a quote. Yeah. But I'm talking about like... Like, you know the scene with the Hydra and Hercules? Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, not like, it acts dead and then it like stands back right. up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, reports of my untimely demise have been greatly exaggerated and it just comes oh, back in full I, force. Okay, I understand. I was like, what? I just, everything makes sense now. Except for how this thing exists in the first place. Everything except for that. This is like this is a bigger question than what is Tom Bombadil. 
I know. How this? Tom Bombadil? He's a wizard in the woods. Whatever. Who cares? Tom, I don't care about Tom Bombadil and his really crappy fashion choices. How does this thing stay alive? Right. And can I have one in my home? <laughs> like, if it can live here, why can't I just keep it in a swimming pool in the backyard? Was it like a pet? And then it got flushed down the sewer like the sewer alligators? <laughs> Some orc found a little squiddy. Yeah, and he's like, this is my friend. This is- and then the, the orc above him was like, get rid of that. And he smacks it out of his Aww. hand and it goes in the water. He's got like the, the plastic bag instead of a goldfish. It's no, like it's a dwarf weird. helmet with water in it and a little squid. <laughs> look what I found. Oh, <laughs> That doesn't look edible. Get rid of it. Oh, poor squiddy. The itty bitty squiddy. <laughs> Now he's a not so itty bitty squiddy. Oh man, it's like in Finding Nemo where Dory's like, "Oh, squishy, this will be my friend, squishy." And then like, there's like fifty million jellyfish. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> we're from the website duelinggenre.com. Um, check out our Facebook listener group. It's called the Fellowship of the Mike. Um, ask to join. There's lots of cool discussion happening. Um, and if you have a moment, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We will be forever grateful for you and your existence and your continued listenership and supporting us on this silly podcast. Um, special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Leaper182 and Ed Foster. Um, hope you guys have a good Thursday and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Bye. Bye.